Hello and welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Brandon Piller, joined today by Chris Parliament. And the trade deadline day was quite a day for Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators as they ship out beloved longtime Senator Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Tyler Ennis, Vlad Nemestikov, and a couple other minor deals to get through today. So without any further ado, let's jump right in. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is February 24th, more importantly, a day that Sens fans have had circled on their calendar probably all year. It's the NHL trade deadline day, and Parley, what a day it was for the Senators. It was a very big day for the Senators and a very big day for a guy named Jean-Gabriel Pajot. You know, it's a, it's a tough one to see go because of the memories he's created here in this lineup and in this city uh he will definitely go down as one of the uh one of the more favorite senators of that team and that team that went to the almost went to the cup final a couple years ago i mean who's left it's it's ridiculous to see the amount of turnover that's been there but getting back to today and john gabriel pajot you know brent wallace tweeted out earlier today that he was jg pajot was up last night puking he couldn't deal with the emotion of whether he was going to sign back or get dealt today. Turns out he does get dealt. Now, Pillar, I'll throw it back to you with a question. I think it was, but do you think it was enough? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can get a first-round pick, especially when you've already got two first-round picks, and they could likely be, well, they're going to be at least top 10 picks, maybe even both top five. If you can throw another late to mid-round first draft pick in there, you've got to do it, especially because... Like you just talked about the emotional ties uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot has to the team and the team has to him. This is a hometown guy who was drafted by the Sens in 2011, played his whole career here, been through the ups and downs. And I think the only guys left now, Chris, are Boro, Bobby Ryan, and Craig Anderson from that playoff run, which is insane to think of. It was only a couple of years ago. So you get a first, a conditional first. I mean, the condition is just... That uh, it's top three protected, not too worried about that. It's likely going to be a 2020 first round pick, second round pick with no conditions. And Pierre Dorian, he's been through uh, a couple trades, so he knows to add a little sprinkled condition pick on there. This one I love, a third round conditional pick if the Islanders win the cup this year. So I guess we're Islanders fans going forward uh, when playoff time hits, but it's tough to see Jean-Gabriel Pajot get moved, but... I don't know about you, Chris, but I think this was absolutely the right deal for that price and considering uh, the extension he signed after and knowing that this is probably going to be his best career year to date. I mean, he's only three points back from his career high of 43 points and there's still 22 uh, games left in the season. So what did you think about uh, when Pajot immediately signs an extension after getting traded to the New York Islanders? The word I'm going to use is bittersweet because, you know, you almost wonder if the Senators were going to be able to get kind of that hometown discount and the numbers were thrown around. I forget who uh, reported it uh, saying that maybe a four by four could get it done for number 44. So that would have been pretty neat to see him stay for four years at a nice little uh, 
chunk of change for him, but nothing that'll break the back of the Senators. But unfortunately, he doesn't get it done. But good for him to go out and get that kind of money. You know, that would be such a whirlwind experience for a guy to leave the team that he's only ever played for in or an organization, I guess, that he's only ever played for. And then you go straight to a team that is definitely battling for a wild card spot and you get that six year deal. So you have a lot of security moving forward and at $5 million a number, I don't know if the senators were going to be able to do at a six year deal. Maybe we talked about a little off air, maybe a five by five would have got it done for Pajot, but uh, who knows? But we were talking about off air as well. Moving forward. I think this is a, this is a guy that you want to see do well and uh, just have some success as he moves on in his career, especially because he was so well-liked around the franchise. So for him to be able to go to a team that is a contender, but they play his style of game, wouldn't you say? I mean, just gritty. I think he's going to be a plus 100 next year on this team. It's uh, it's really interesting to see a guy that just fits a team so well. I'm excited for Jean-Gabriel. Uh, I wish he could have stayed a senator, but... I mean, what was brought back and the deal he was able to get, it's kind of a feel-good story. So that's why I would say bittersweet. Yeah, that's probably the right way to describe it. And I mean, Pajot's going to have a lot of success uh, with the Islanders because they've been looking for a centerman for quite some time. I'd say they were pretty much the top uh, contenders to land Jean-Gabriel Pajot this whole time as we led up to the trade deadline. And going back to that contract that he signed, I think if the Sens were in a position to get him at a 5 by 5 deal, they're looking at that a lot more seriously. Now, a lot of people may say that's way too much money to be giving to a guy who's having a career year. He's 27, so that deal would expire when he's 32 years old. But you need someone to act as a buffer between the rebuilding guys and uh, the team right now. So he would have been a guy that's perfect for that, not only for his skill set, but also the intangibles that he brings to the game. I mean, he's a guy that is loved in that locker room by the fan base. He plays hard. He kills penalties. He's a gritty, quick guy. He's good on the faceoff dot. Like These are all things that come into play. Maybe he's not going to score 30 goals a year, which you might expect from a $5 million guy, but he has so much to bring to a team. So I think really it was that sixth year that probably was a game changer for the Sens and uh, Pajot's camp that didn't let a deal come down as they were talking contract extensions right down to the wire. So it's tough to see him go, but I think that's a deal you're glad you walked away from. And I don't, not that I'm saying this is going to happen with Pajot, but Think of all the players the Sens have traded at times when you're like, oh, I wish they would have signed this guy and extended him instead of trading him. A lot of those guys have gone on to different teams and really struggled. Like you look at guys like Kyle Turris, that's a tough situation in Nashville. You look at uh, Eric Carlson, mind you, injuries have been a problem there. Uh, Duchesne's been doing all right in Nashville. And then uh, there was one one more, uh, Dezingle. Dezingle, I think, was a healthy scratch the other night when the Canes uh, used an emergency backup goalie to spank the Leafs. So there's a lot of guys that the Sens have let go at opportune times and got back big returns for them. So I think this is another case of letting go of Pajot at the right time. But I think Pajot's still going to have a couple great years in uh, New York with the Islanders. And Barry Trotz is going to make one heck of a player out of him. Very excited to watch John Gabriel Pajot play playoff hockey. Now the Islanders have definitely a better chance at getting back into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you put this money into relevant or try and make some kind of sense out of the money that he's making. And, uh, I think this is Lou Lamorello just understanding that you got to build from down the middle. 
And uh, he's able to do that with a guy, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who fits his coach's system. So I agree that the money probably wouldn't have been spent in Ottawa that's being spent there. But that's a team with different needs and a different style of play than a lot of other squads out there. So, I mean, if it makes sense for them and it makes sense for the Senators, I think this was, uh, I don't think you can look at this deal right now and say any team is a winner uh, down the line. I think the Senators have a better chance of saying that they won this deal. As much as I like John Gabriel Pajot, adding this third first rounder, I mean, just talk about how much you can, how much that can change your team depending on how where that falls. And then uh, we haven't even talked about it yet. That second rounder makes four second rounders. And with this scouting squad being so good for the Senators, I'm so excited to see what they're able to do. I mean, you look at second rounders that they've grabbed in the past, the one that jumps to mind is Alex Formanton. So if you're able to grab more guys like that, that can just keep adding to your team and the depth that you have, I mean, you're starting to draft players in the second round that you're looking at down the line as maybe a second or sorry, a third, maybe a fourth line player in the second round with the young talent you have there now. So you're, you're building a stockpile and nine picks pillar in the first 93 of the draft this year is pretty wild. It's just crazy. And I mean, you talk about the second round picks. Formanton is a good one. Thanks, Curtis Lazar, for that. And then a guy who surprised a lot of people, Shane Pinto. He's having one heck of a season. He's doing well with JBD down there. That's the second round pick. So you don't talked forget a Johnny Tyconic. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't forget him. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you talked a little bit about how it's going to shake up uh, this organization. So how much pressure, pressure does that put on guys like uh, you're looking at Logan Brown, Josh Norris, Philip Schlappick, these prospects that are centermen, uh, even Drake Batherson, even though he's likely going to be a winger in the NHL. What does this really say to those guys who they were fighting for spots, really, and a lot of them didn't make it? I mean, Brown's back um, in Belleville. He hasn't been playing, but he didn't have really a good NHL stint. Now, Tierney is a restricted free agent, so luckily he's probably going to be on the roster next year, which I like. I think that's good that he's going to be a guy that you can have as an NHL caliber player on your roster. But what does it really mean for those guys who are centermen prospects uh, coming ahead in the future now that Pajot won't be taking up one of those top three centermen positions? Well, they have a situation in front of them now that really is kind of opened up to them. And I also think that this is a year where you can prove your worth. I mean, this is where you're going to be probably playing late games in the season and you have something to play for as much as the Senators have been playing against teams that are battling for playoff spots and worried about seeding. That's exactly what Belleville is going through in the at the AHL level. So these guys are now given an opportunity and have the opportunity to show what they're worth. And I mean, you talk about experience at the NHL level. Well, I think that uh, a lot of times AHL postseason experience goes unnoticed because it's the same type of grind, you know, on your body and coming together as a team and playing in high pressure situations and stuff like that. So, I mean, AHL postseason hockey is definitely something that's going to go a long way in the development of these players. And you mentioned them, Shane Pinto, the top pick of the, or the, sorry, the first pick of the second day of the draft last year. University of North Dakota is having a hell of a season as well. So he's going to get some playoff hockey alongside JBD. So specifically up the middle, there's a lot of players that are going to be playing important hockey come the next couple months that aren't Ottawa senators. So it's going to be exciting to see where the development takes them. And uh, I'll tell you what, development camp for the senators next year is going to be a pretty exciting time. 
it's going to be an absolute blast. There were some other trades made today as well. Pajot, obviously the big one, but the Senators made three other notable trades, trading Vladimir Mesnikov to the Avs for a fourth-round pick. Tyler Ennis gets to go home to Edmonton. Sens get a fifth-round pick in return. And the Sens trade Aaron Luchuk and a seventh-round pick to Montreal for Matthew Pekka. So, Parley, I'll throw this over to you. There's three options. Which trade do you want to get into the most here? Let's start things off. I like the Vlad Nemeskov deal because that's what you gave up for him, a fourth rounder. So, I mean, you're able to get back what you gave. And uh, another thing we talked about on a, a podcast earlier this year as well was when you're talking about the picks and the bounty of picks that you're going to have, that allows for a lot of movement. You know, if there's a guy that you want late in the second round you can maybe or early in the second round you can move a third and a fourth and maybe move up to that second round spot so it just gives the team so much more um ability to just make moves and let's not forget we talked about the bang for the buck you can get in the second round let's say uh drake batherson was a fourth round pick so there's definitely a lot of talent still available in the fourth rounds but uh that was i think worth mentioning but the Tyler Ennis deal is a great deal for the Senators, I think, because a, he's going back home, so that was something where you were able to push on the Oilers, but getting a fifth-round pickback for him was something I wouldn't have expected at the start of the season. Yeah, and you mentioned how uh, the Meskov trade brings back the fourth-round pick that they traded to get him. In a similar fashion, the Sens trading Tyler Ennis to the Oilers is just returning their fifth-round pick that they traded to get Mike Riley, right? So... You're kind of just reaccumulating assets, although it's not really a big deal once you get to the fourth and fifth round. There'll be later picks than the Senators' owned picks uh, would be. But I want to just talk a little bit about Ennis and Nemeskov. I know they're kind of role players, and the Sens got them on expiring deals with the notion that they could be traded at the deadline. But I really thought Tyler Ennis uh, getting traded was the right move. He was a guy that I think it was a mutual agreement between the Sens. He was going to get more ice time and better opportunities playing with the Senators than he would have anywhere else in the offseason. So it made sense for him to sign a low-risk deal there and then hopefully get traded to a contender and then try to bump up his stock a little for the next offseason so he can get a little bit of a better deal uh, for himself. But when you're looking at trading Nemestikov, I don't like the fact that the Sens traded two competent guys who fit in in this dressing room for a fourth and a fifth round pick when they already have a boatload of picks. I would have liked to see them actually maybe try to extend a guy like Mestikov. He's been a great uh, penalty killer and he just shipped off uh, Pajot, arguably your best penalty killer. So it would have been nice to keep Nemestikov and especially consider the fact that the Sens are... (laughs) in history very bad at getting free agents to sign in Ottawa so they're gonna they're gonna have to replace those guys uh with low-end uh low-risk free agents in the offseason likely because you can't have all the kids coming up and playing because they're just gonna get shelled and I don't think that's good for their development so when Ennis was uh Nemeskov was traded first I thought maybe they would keep Ennis uh maybe reward him with a, a an extension but that didn't happen. So you lose Ennis and Nemestikov for a fourth and a fifth round pick. I would have liked to keep Nemestikov. What are your thoughts on that? Do you, are you happy both of them uh, are gone and you get a fourth and fifth in, in return? Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely things where, you know, Nemestikov and Ennis are the guys getting moved out of town and maybe one of them should have stayed. I think that you looked at the, you look at the four guys in forwards that were kind of uh, on 
on the block, let's say, come deadline day, and that's Pajot, Ennis, Nemestikov, and Tierney. I think keeping one of those four was necessary. Keeping two, maybe not so much. Uh, you can't put too much stock into a guy like Nemestikov because, honestly, I'd rather see a guy like Jonathan Davidson in the NHL next year over a guy like Vladimir Nemestikov, especially with less money tied up and getting your value back for him. I think Nemestikov, if you move him now, he's having a great year killing penalties. So I almost think you're just kind of putting the tag on him as a as a quality skater with some upside, but he can kill penalties for you. And that's exactly what uh, teams are looking for come this time of year. You can slot him into your bottom six or top nine potentially in that lineup and, uh, you know, throw him out there on the PK where he's tied for the lead league, I still believe, in penalty or shorthanded goals. So I think you just got to sell when you're, when they're high. I don't think you're going to get much more for Ennis. Um maybe next year play-wise or at the deadline. So I think this is a year where the Sens are kind of all in on this draft. So if you were able to keep one out of that four, I think that was enough, and I think that's what Pierre Dorian did. Yeah, and that's a fair point. And, I mean, if you're going to keep any of them, you want to keep the restricted free agents, especially uh, the Sens, uh, knowing you can at least take them to arbitration or at least you're the only one that's dealing with them in contract negotiations. So, Ennis and Nemeskov both were unrestricted free agents, so it makes sense to ship them off. But another thing I'm thinking of, Parley, is how in the world are the Sens going to reach the cap floor next season? It's going to be hilarious. They're going to have to shell out some ridiculous dollars for some washed-up free agent to play with them. So we'll see how that goes. But one more trade. This one pretty minor. Aaron Luchuk and a seventh-round pick to Montreal for Matthew Pekka. Matthew Pekka, this is a guy who... I think this deal was done just out of pure necessity. Like, you're looking at this team. They now have, I mean, there were some call-ups made. Balsers was called up, so that helps. But before the Balsers call-up, with Matthew Pekka included, they only had 12 forwards and six defensemen. So it's all hands on deck. And uh, we learned that Bobby Ryan will not be playing in the game against Columbus as we are recording this just before the game at 520. So... It's hilarious what the Sens have had to do. I actually wouldn't have mind if they kept Luchuk. He's an undrafted guy, only 22 years old, but he's kind of familiar with this organization, and I thought he had some upside. He had some good uh, good points in the ECHL this season as a 22-year-old guy. I thought maybe you get a little more development out of him, but pretty much a minor deal. What do you got on this? Yeah, you said minor deal. I think it's a minor league deal because this is a guy who can contribute at the AHL level come down the playoff or down the stretch in the playoffs. You know, this is a guy you can slot in. He's got 13 points for the Laval rocket. So he'll be, he'll be very familiar with the division. We know that for sure. When uh, the time comes, maybe head down to Belleville, 26 years old. I almost look at this deal as, uh, you know, you shipped out a guy like Tyler Ennis earlier in the day. You pick up a guy like Matthew Pekka, Upside wise, I can't see really much more. I think Ennis played a little bit out of his mind this year and was uh, was definitely getting the help from a lot of the youngsters he was playing with. So I think Matthew Pekka going in for a guy like Tyler Ennis, it just it takes that contract out from underneath you, uh, or you know, come off season you don't have to worry about signing Tyler Ennis, a guy like that. So Matthew Pekka, I mean, yeah, a warm body for the roster maybe in the NHL and then definitely some some help come uh, AHL playoff time. Yeah, and the more help the Belleville Senators can get, the better. And if you're looking for some help with your business, looking for to reach some new customers, uh, spice up your advertising a little, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure, you, sure you've heard all the great advertisers 
working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Senators podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Sens fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, though, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. If your company wants to connect with Senators fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast, the Locked On Senators podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. So, the Ottawa Senators had a big, big trade deadline day, but not everyone went. It wasn't a complete fire sale. I mean, we're looking at two guys, specifically 38-year-old veterans on expiring deals in Hainsey and Craig Anderson, who are still with the team. Parley, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, would you have rather seen both of them gone, one of them gone, both of them extended? What are your thoughts? I think that when it comes to the Ron Hainsey thing, this is almost just help to a guy like Thomas Shabbat so he doesn't have to play 30 minutes a night in a stretch of hockey that really has zero consequences. So I think that one, you know, you probably weren't going to get much for him because of the amount of defensemen, quality defensemen that were being shipped around. I think Ron Hainsey doesn't exactly fit the style of playoff hockey anymore. Still a quality uh, defenseman in the NHL, but maybe if there's someone better with a little better feet, they would have got more of a deal. So I think this was kind of the options were weighed and you know what, he'll help out the team down the stretch. And then next year, you know, it's an expiring deal. You don't really have to worry about it. Let him ride it out and, you know, best of luck for him in the off season, come free agency. Uh, Craig Anderson, I think is the opposite story. You're letting go of a guy like John Gabriel Pajot. That's a tough one. I think Craig Anderson would have taken it even harder. He got his 200th win as a senator the other night, and that's a huge thing for him. I think this is a guy, respect-wise, you have to keep in the room. Uh, you talk about veterans around the league. I think Craig Anderson is a little bit undershadowed at how much he means to the Ottawa Senators and what he is in the room and what he's done for this team for such a long time. So I think Craig Anderson not moving was, unless you were going to get something that absolutely lit your eyes up for Craig Anderson, it wasn't worth the move. So... Uh, that's my two cents on both the 38 year olds on expiring deals. I will be absolutely shocked if either of them are back in the lineup wearing Senators uniforms come next season. But I think for the rest of this year for Hainsey, it's out of necessity and Anderson, it's out of respect. Well, Parley, I'll, I'll touch on the Hainsey part first. I think you might end up being shocked. I think there is a good chance that Hainsey does sign uh, an extension or at least a new deal with the Ottawa Senators come the offseason because this is a guy that I think DJ Smith uh, holds in high regards and maybe kind of the unofficial leader of the decor, especially uh, with uh, with Shabbat being such a young defenseman. Like you said, he could use someone to kind of help carry the load. It's disappointing for me, though, because I really don't understand why DeMello was dealt when they, I think they could have got him at a really good deal. And he was a guy that fit Shabbat's pair much better than Hainsey would. And he's younger. He can move up and down the lineup. I think DeMello was your guy 
as a right-hand shot defenseman, and Hainsey was more uh, expendable, even if you didn't trade him at the deadline and just let him walk in the offseason. But I am worried that I think the Ottawa Senators may have Hainsey back next year, which a 39-year-old defenseman on as one of your top defensemen for next season isn't too inspiring. But to go with, on to Craig Anderson, I think a lot of the things you said were right. It'd be tough for him to leave this team. He's put so much heart and soul into this. And if he was to get traded, I don't know what you would get in return. And also, sure, Craig Anderson may go to a contending team, but does he, at best, he would be a backup. Would that really be how he kind of wants to ride off into the sunset if this is his last season? I don't think so. I think he'd rather... Uh, play with some pride and stay with the Ottawa centers and try to steal some, uh, some aspiring playoff teams points coming down the stretch. So I think it's okay that they kept both of them, but I would rather kept DeMello and uh, extended him. And then the problem with Anderson too, is now you're going to have to send Hogberg down to the AHL, which in turn sends one of Joey or Philip Gustafson down to the ECHL. So how do you feel about the goalie situation with Anderson staying? I mean, that's a good problem to have, no. Uh, it's going to be tough to send one of the two down, uh, but that's all thinking that Nielsen gets healthy by the end of the year. So uh, come playoff time, you'll definitely have uh, some some questions to answer when it comes to the crease in Belleville. But again, that's a good it's a good problem to have, especially when you look down past that and you think of all the all the talent and Mad Sogard and stuff like that, Kevin Mandelazy even. So there's a lot of names down there in the crease. Um, it'll be, it'll be exciting to see who stays in that Belleville lineup. You'd have to think it's Marcus Hogberg. I don't know where you go other than that, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, I think come the end of this season, we'll start to see a little bit more of where, where the NHL crease is going. And I don't think Craig Anderson will be back. I understand what you're saying about Ron Hainsey, but I'd even be shocked there. So, yeah, I mean, it's two 38-year-olds that are just kind of riding off into the sunset, I think, for the Senators, at least, this year. Hopefully someone who's not riding off into the sunset uh, with the Ottawa Senators, one of the few guys who is uh, still here from that storied playoff run, Boro. And uh, we saw a tweet today from Gary Ock that uh, was saying he was told, basically, that he they were going to try to extend him in the offseason. So, although it... A lot of people speculated that this injury kept him from being dealt at the deadline. It seems like there was a plan in place all along to keep Boro around. And that just, that's got to put a smile on your face because this guy has changed his game so much this season. He's having a career high in points. He's still blocking shots. He's still uh, throwing out hits. He's not fighting as much anymore. He's playing a much better defensive role. He just had a new kid. He's He needs a new deal. He, as he said, he's making $0 right now next season. So how happy are you to hear that it's very likely that Boro's going to remain an Ottawa Senator next season? See, what you said about Ron Hainsey being the unofficial leader, I would argue that Boro is the unofficial leader of that back end and what he brings to the team. And you talk about it. He's changed his game so much this year before he was just kind of the guy that you had to keep your head up when he was on the ice. But now he's a guy that you got to keep your head up, but also he's going the other way with the puck. A thing I like about it too, is he's only 30 years old. So I think every team needs a tough guy. You know, you talk about the Brady Kachucks, even the Scott Saverins, but Boro's your guy back there that I think people around the league realize that you don't, you know, you got to keep your head up. You don't mess around with his uh, teammates either. He might not be the best fighter, but he's going to drop them. So, uh, 
you know, Boro is a guy that I think should stay around, and I would much rather see a guy like Boro in the lineup, especially on the left side with guys like Brandstrom coming up and Shabbat. you got to think your left side next year, if Boro sign an extension, is Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Boro. So that's uh, I'm definitely comfortable with that moving forward. You know, he, you mentioned it. He, he's up there and hits every year. He'll do what he can every time he's on the ice. So a uh, heart and soul guy that definitely I think Sens fans are happy to hear will stick around. Absolutely. So we covered the Ottawa Senators day and the trade deadline, but this was a wild day, Parley, for the entire league. Have you had a chance to really take a look at all the trades and uh, kind of name a winner and a loser for the deadline? I've I've got a winner in mind. Uh, I haven't really thought of a loser, but uh, do you do you have either one of those ready to go? I've got a loser in mind just because I was shocked by the deal. Uh, a guy that the fans love is very well liked around the room on a team that I thought was going to do outstanding this year. I would you know I would have said they would have been one of the contending teams early on. And Vinny Trocek yeah. thrown out of of Florida for what was an odd return, really a downgrade in players to Eric Halla, I would think, and then uh, a couple kick around players and a fifth rounder. So I mean, looking at it, you get four assets back for a guy like Vinny Trocek, but I think he's one of the best characters in the league. You see it every time you hop on Instagram, him and Jonathan Huberto walking into the arena enjoying their iced coffees together. He just seemed like such a Florida Panther that I'm surprised they were they moved him for what seemed like it wasn't much bang for their buck. So uh, that one was my that I was shocked, and I think I'll have the same winner as you, so I'll throw over to you for that. Well, it's funny that you used that as your um, as your first one because I would say my winner for the day is the Carolina Hurricanes. You're looking at, you get a quality guy in Vincent Trocek, and I agree with you. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the league. Uh, when you got uh, Huberto, Barkov, Hoffman, uh, Yandel, Ekblad, Dadanov, like there's just so much talent on that Florida team. He kind of gets buried in the limelight a little, and there's not a lot of coverage on a Florida Panthers squad. So when you get Vincent Trocek, they got Brady Shea and Sammy Vatanen this uh on today so this team really upgraded their team i mean there's still the questions with the goaltenders unless they're hiring more zamboni drivers to be their starters depending on the injuries (laughs) how that's going to shake up but i think the carolina hurricanes did a really good job because they're a team similar to the senators it's really hard to attract free agents to head their smaller market maybe uh they haven't really had a whole lot of success i mean they had a good season last year but cut back to surprise people so they're shoring up their team with trades and i think it's the right move and uh they could really be a powerhouse in the metro for years to come you know that brady shade i'm shocked i thought that was uh i thought that was the rangers guy going forward he's such a good defender and he's such an athlete this guy is 25 years old and he's what so that makes him seven years removed from getting division one football scholarships to be a linebacker, six foot three, two ten, smooth skater. I thought he was staying in the red, blue and white for a long time. Uh, he played for the national team development. He just seemed like that kid to stay there forever. I'm shocked. They moved him. Uh, the Rangers maybe not having the best year, but I mean, that's so hard to think about just like breaking away from a 25 year old like that. I thought he was going to stay there forever. So yeah, they get two, Pretty damn good pieces in Vinny Trocek and Brady Shea. I thought you were going to say the winner for this day uh, was the Edmonton Oilers, though, because they added a speedster. That was my second. 
yeah. who can play with Connor McDavid. Tyler Ennis is heading home, and they shored up their banged-up blue line a little bit too with a guy like Mike Green. So maybe not as big of pieces going over, but I mean, yeah, it, it's tough to argue that Carolina didn't do it today, but I think filling needs really it went to it went to Edmonton because I think Andre Athanasiu is one of the fastest players in the league. And if he can get going, I mean, they need somebody other than Dreisaitl to get going with Connor McDavid. So if that, if that can be him, I think that'll be pretty special because he's still so young and so fast and offensively gifted. Uh, I'm surprised Detroit even parted with him, but I think there was a couple things behind the scenes. I've heard rumblings of that in the past. So uh, especially with that contract dispute a year or two ago. So uh, he gets a fresh start in Edmonton, and if he's riding shotgun to Connor McDavid, look out and get the uh, get the radars out because there's going to be a couple people speeding in school zones in Edmonton the next couple of years. Yeah, that's going to be wild. I mean, Athanasia later, Detroit, <laughs> he's heading all the way up to Edmonton. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, yeah, so that pretty much wraps up the trade deadline. All that's left is uh, good old tankathon spin. I've got it all set up here, so I'll take the first spin, Parley. It's too bad that that, uh, that Islanders pick isn't part of the lottery. That would make the spin that much more exciting, having three <laughs> potential lottery picks. But we'll see how we do with the two we got today. And the San Jose Sharks only getting weaker. They traded uh, Patrick Marlowe and uh, Goodrow, so that's two less roster players on that team. So hopefully that helps the pick. Here we go. Ottawa picks Third and sixth. So that's all right. Ross and I have been getting a lot of four and seven. So I'll take the the upgrade one spot on each pick there. Yeah, third and third and fifth is where the Senators are sitting right now. The Senators with an 11.5% chance of winning the lottery in that third spot, which is a number I like to hear. And then number five, the San Jose pick. San Jose losing four straight. Uh, yep. That pick has an 8.5% chance of winning winning the lottery so that's exciting yeah moving down one spot there five and six i don't think that's a huge difference in this year's uh draft Uh, there's so much talent available at the top end here we go all spin and the senators they're gonna slide down with their own pick to sixth but funny enough the san jose pick is moving up five so i'm picking third and six but they swap spots so that's kind of funny uh ross has mentioned it in the past that the Anaheim Ducks are just uh, lottery, somehow so good at the lottery. They move up to number one in this, and Chicago moving up five spots to number Jeez. two. That would be uh, pretty interesting in Detroit down to fourth. So that would be kind of funny. But uh, yeah, that it's kind of nice scrolling down and seeing Ottawa at number 23 as of now for the Islanders. And I think it's even funnier seeing Toronto at 18 and their pick blanked out and going to the Hurricanes. Well, it's even funnier, Parley, about that pick is um, the Sharks signed Marlowe and traded him for a third-round pick. The Leafs had to trade a first-round pick to get rid of him. And the yeah. Sharks are cashing in third-round picks and they get 20 points out of him on the season. So nice job by the Sharks there. They actually had a decent deadline day, too, actually getting a first-round pick uh, for Goudreau and a third-round pick. So that's going to help them out a lot. Um, that pretty much does it for us. Parley, you got anything else to add? Uh, I just, 
we mentioned at the end of the last show that it's super fun to go on Leafs Twitter right now and just watch it all burn. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be, especially with what you just mentioned, having to give up a first to get rid of Marlowe's contract and now seeing a third in return going to Pittsburgh. I just think it's hilarious. I also cannot believe our first round pick back for Barkley Goudreau, who has 24 points in 62 games. Yeah, that one was a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, the third round pick going back the other other way to Tampa helps out a little, but and the fact that you know Tampa is going to be a, a late first round pick, basically a second. But yeah, definitely a weird one uh, on that one. A couple other weird ones too. I mean, Buffalo made some weird moves today too, um, and Robin Leonard going to the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's one that shocked a lot of people. How about you? Yeah, that was that was shocking, but I mean. They've seen uh, they've seen their fair share of goalie troubles in Vegas in their short brief history. So I think they're just shoring up for uh, a playoff run that I think they're bound to go deep again on. Yeah, that's for sure. The Vegas Golden Knights are uh, set to go. So the only game on tonight's uh, schedule, the Ottawa Senators and the Columbus Blue Jackets, we'll cover that game tomorrow. Which I mean, that's going to be interesting to. Uh, Take a look at these two teams. Columbus absolutely riddled with injuries, and the Senators basically shipped half their team to other teams. But for myself, Brandon Pillar, Chris Parliament, that's all we got for today on tr- today's trade deadline day edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team. 